Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 178. I had barely any parenting growing up. Right. So I don't, you know, and I and I was very much like, a, a mom, dad, here's the deal. I need to come home to you with straight A's. So that's all you need to know. <laughs> like, they were not, it was like completely, I laid out the rules. They followed them. It was not even like any parenting was involved. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, everyone's different. Please, but like, please. Um, I just don't think it needs to be that intense. It doesn't I, need to be part of your brand, you know? Yes. That's the thing. That, well, we're going to talk about exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, right. I love that. We're already primed. One. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where uh, our panelists butter us up with chocolates I for the chocolate. holidays. What a good move. And I brought it for all of your listeners. Uh, they just, <laughs> if they reach out, I'll send it to them. Guys, just um, comments at fakethenation.com mm-hmm. to get your free one piece of chocolate. <laughs> um, to, oh, I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, you guys. And today we're going to talk about the impeachment and the FBI report. Of course we are. Why the fuck wouldn't we? That's what we're here to do, unfortunately. And fortunately at the same time. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, the quiet protest of sassy mom merch. What does that mean you'll find out and finally uh the secrets of success we're literally going to tell them to you and then everyone will be successful not a big deal nice uh i have such an exciting panel today you guys um joining rejoining me both 
to my right is a, a a gentleman who is a moderate but leans libertarian. Yeah. Um, I like markets and gay people. <laughs> he's the closest thing to um, a person on the right that we can muster here <laughs> on Fake the Nacion. Um, he is a comedian. He's host of The Political Orphanage, which you should immediately be subscribing to. You guys, it's Andrew Heaton. Hello. I, I am so happy to be back. I am so happy to be back. I'm so happy you're back. He's He's been in Austin. He's floating around the country. Mm-hmm. He's in New York right now. Yeah, We're I'm... really excited he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, joining me on the other side of the table is uh, editor of The Reductress, um, She, which is uh, just one of the funnier sites and uh, paragons of satire that everyone should be absolutely reading. Paragon. I uh, love that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you guys, it's Sarah Papalardo. Hello. Yes, I am, a, you know, a progressive pescatarian, recently switched over. <laughs> Highly recommend. Wait, you recently switched over to I just cut being that, pescatarian? I, I cut out the meat again after a, a wayward couple of years. Oh, got you. Never been better, oh, honestly. Oh, wow. Okay. Everybody. Pescatarian's a big it. voting block. Ex- huge. It's really <laughs> yeah. big in the Midwest. And growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, you guys. Are we ready for topic number one? Um, okay. So literally right now there's a hearing about the articles of impeachment happening. Uh, I listened to the morning gavel mm-hmm. and, uh, they basically laid out two articles of impeachment. A poor, um, clerk of the uh, judiciary committee had to just read them, which, and, and it's not, I don't know who she is at all. I did listen to this on the radio, but, uh, to my mind, she was just like, sweating in a corner having to read like you know nine pages of these um articles uh but basically the first one is uh abuse of power so corruptly soliciting election assistance from ukraine um in exchange for the delivery of 391 million dollars in security assistance and a meeting at the white house um i think the meeting at the white house part is a little bit of flattery nobody wants to meet you that bad donnie you know (laughs) what i mean it's just a little um and then uh Article numero dos is obstructing Congress, um, which basically, you know, points out that uh, the administration has defied House subpoenas across the board um, and uh, has has engaged in, quote, unprecedented categorical and indiscriminate defiance um, that has harmed the House's constitutional rights. Those are the articles. You guys, um, what do we think? They're broad, mm-hmm. um, but you know, given what hap- what came out in the intelligence report regarding um, the Mueller report, I can see why they kept it um, strictly Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I think that. So we, wh- why? Uh, mostly because of the Carter Page FBI it, it process issues. I mean, I'm sure I don't know anything about how the FBI works, but I'm sure getting uh, FISA access and whatever it is probably full of mistakes all the time. Um, but I think that if we summoned that in the impeachment, we'd probably see a lot of pushback. That honestly is valid. Like, that's the one thing I can say, well, like, well, all right, yeah, maybe that even though Carter Page was such a small part of the Russia investigation, it's still a valid complaint. So, um, Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more specifically about that FBI um, 
what is it? What was he called? The Inspector General mm-hmm. report on the FBI proceedings. But did you find these articles? Well, where do you stand on the impeachment in general with your moderate well, ways? I'm, I'm pro impeach. I, I guess my my uh, my innate disposition is I don't like Trump. I would love for him to get impeached, but I don't want to make stuff up to mm-hmm. get him impeached. There uh-huh. does need to be rule of law that's satisfied in order for that to happen. Uh, I think that they played it well doing this. They could have gone one of two directions. They either could have gone with criminal statutes and tried to have very specific, he violated this law, this law, this law, mm-hmm. or they could keep it broad, which they've done. Um, that's the smart play, in my opinion, because the criminal statutes I don't think would be a good approach in that, say, like the quid, the quid quo pro I don't think that there is a burden of proof necessary to prove that in a court. Um, so I, I don't know. And that's not the the threshold you need in an impeachment hearing. But all the same, I think that that would be a little bit more shaky. And I think the more complex it gets, the more difficult it would be to prosecute it. The way that they have it set up right now, I would vote in favor of it. I would vote a lot. I feel more comfortable about the uh, obstruction of Congress charge because I think that's straight up uh, just 100 percent accurate. Basically, Congress went, we're subpoenaing your various subordinates to Congress to talk about impeachment, and he ordered them all, don't do that. And you can't, you're not like, if, if I were being summoned yeah. to a court, and I was like, you know what, the judge is a dick. I'm not going to go. Yeah. I would be, a, I would be in... Uh, uh, or if I was like, as the host of Fake the Nation, Andrew, <laughs> don't go. Right. I, de- <laughs> I defy you. Yeah, you, you would still be in defiance of Congress. I right. think that's legitimate, and I, I think they that can't impeach That is legitimate. I mean, what the fuck? Like... At the end of the day, seriously, what the fuck? And then to say, oh, uh, you know, the, for the, the for the GOP to have the argument that they each time pull out of their pockets, the same argument of like, you guys don't even have any firsthand top tier officials as witnesses. And it's like, yeah, you fucking pieces of shit. It's because um, the president won't allow them Mm -hmm. so it's like you can't use that as an argument and i don't understand why that's allowed to be an argument like like, i get clearly everything's on the table when it comes to that right now i know it's all hypocritical yeah it's it's so insane like like like, i i think when so it'll get impeached right we think this is probably going to happen it'll go to the the senate Mm -hmm. we all think probably the republicans won't won't remove him I would be I would love it if Mitch McConnell did an anonymous vote on whether or not to remove the president, because I think it'd be 80 to 20. Absolutely. I I think the amount of Republicans that are like, I hate that guy, but I don't have testicles or a backbone anymore. So I'm going to have to just go ahead and defer to whatever he says. Like, I think that is the predominant narrative right now. Most of them hate him. And like a lot of the stuff like so. Although, do they? Because there's a weird joyfulness with which some of them argue in his favor. Yeah, I think the, the sort of. The kind of populist, uh, the Jim Jordan. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, is that what his name is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh, definitely likes the guy. He's right. he's on the Trump like train. Like the Joe Kennedy, Matt you know, Gates. Oh, the Matt Gates. Right, handsome the, Matt Gates. There, <laughs> there's a there is like a overzealous, um, you know, defense of the president. Let me rephrase this. Men. There are a few senators, I think, that secretly hate him. Yeah, like, I'm I don't sure. think Ted Cruz actually likes him. I don't think Ben no. Sass likes him, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, to make to your hypocrisy point, it's interesting that they did not go with the emoluments clause in the impeachment charges. Mm-hmm. And um, probably a good play there as well. But I, I've talked to a few people about this. In theory, and, and for anybody listening that's unfamiliar with an emoluments clause, it's just the idea that if, if you're a president, you, you're not allowed to get additional pay outside of your salary. You can't solicit people for money, right? Uh, if President Obama had had like Obama's books in Chicago. He'd had a bookstore or something, and diplomats swung through Chicago. I love how you gave him a bookstore yeah. and not something that would actually make money. <laughs> yeah. 
But if, but if, like you know, the Saudi diplomats were swinging through Chicago to buy books to suck up to the president, I think Republicans would have yeah. been enraged by that. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of the same stuff. If it had been Obama, I think we would be it would absolutely, have come up. absolutely. I mean, like, I, I think, I think because also the Mueller report doesn't appear in this at all because the Mueller report, even though. You know, there's so much in the Mueller report that's impeachable. It fizzled on a PR front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's the thing that matters. And so um, I, I, I do kind of wish that some of the obstruction stuff and like some of the he literally told Lester Holt, I fire James Comey because of the Russia stuff. Like, I do wish some of that could have snuck into an article, mm-hmm. you know, because it seems insane that we've had we've had like three where are we at i've lost my three years of this president doing insane things that are all impeachable i mean i wish fa- uh family separation could have made it into an article of impeachment um as just like a a a, a violation of, of the geneva convention yeah <laughs> you know and what i mean it, i think that's really sums up the divide in Democrats right now that, of course, we want to impeach him on principle or the hundreds of principles that he's violated. But at this point, I think there is a legal strategy with what they chose that isn't satisfying morally, but it might be the best shot that we have. And this is the part where, like, my expertise, I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand why exactly they chose this strategy, but it does seem like there was a lot of thought put into it. Oh, yeah. I think think I've got a winning strategy for Democrats. Because right, right now, the way it's going to work is Trump's not going to be removed. Right. And it's going to strengthen him with his base. Because yes. it'll play to that whole, I'm a wrecking ball Agreed. and Washington hates me, right? Agree. So if I were Nancy Pelosi, what I would do is go, here's what we're proposing. We're going to impeach the president, remove the president, and make baby Yoda president. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I would, I would a hundred percent be in favor of that. I'd be like, yes, long live Baby Yoda. Yep, um, an animated figure that will have defined the teens, even though it just came out. You know, for for head of state purposes, for shaking hands with so diplomats, adorable. I feel like Baby Yoda would so be top adorable. ten and far more competent yep. and capable. <laughs> yes. Um, well, let's talk about this Inspector General report really quick about the FBI um, investigation of Trump and Russia. So it basically found that. There, there was no political bias in starting that investigation. So the investigation was warranted. It was founded. Um, and that stuff like Struck and Page, those two people who sounds like they wrote a grammar book together. <laughs> um, but in fact, they were just texting um, about their dislike of Trump. Uh they weren't even – none of their bias had any role in the investigation. So so that was like a big win for Democrats that like basically, you know, this investigation was – the other thing that's – the entire Mueller report is uh, uh, evidence that the linkage between Trump and Russia and that investigation was valid. But anyway, so I'm sort of a little bit like, oh, I can't believe this report's coming out. And then – Another one is coming out from another guy out of Connecticut or whatever. Um, but but the report found grave problems with the way they handled the mm. wiretapping of the Carter FBI Page. abused some power. <laughs> I, I, for what? I'm... Well, and the other thing is, it sounds like it it abused a boring amount of power mm-hmm. because it sounds like it just didn't file the right paperwork with the right thingajig. You know what I mean? So it's not even like, you know, it's not J. Edgar Hoover levels right. of, of like, like corruption. A, a, a guy with stacks of every 
every member of Congress having an affair so he could extort them <laughs> for a higher salary. Yeah. No, Edgar Hoover like, was the high water mark of FBI. Yeah, abuse. no, it's like you you should have attached the the W seventeen form and you didn't, and it's like, and that's a grave misconduct. I'm underplaying it. Obviously, it it has been said and agreed that this that there were serious misconduct issues on the way that they handled Carter Page. But also, who cares about Carter Page? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. care about Carter Page. I, I, see, I, I liked it because it basically went, uh, Trump, you are a dick. This is a real thing. There was yeah. a legitimate re- – it turns out not everything's an extension of your ego, and there was enough evidence to warrant looking into this. But also, it turns out there's some people in this federal agency that were – uh, intentionally uh, obfuscating details in order to get the outcome they want, which I'm like, oh, okay, maybe we should be a little bit more careful about that. Maybe we yeah. should be careful when we give the FBI wiretapping capacity because they might abuse it. So. Of course, as a moderate, you would love that. <laughs> right. You, yeah. No, I'm you're suspicious right. it's, of power. It's, it's kind of a reasonable report at the end of the day. If uh, The findings were reasonable. I felt that it was reasonable. Uh, one thing that I really enjoyed learning about it, though, was that what's his fuck, uh, Paul Manafort, was being investigated starting January 2016 before he was ever even working for Trump oh, on really? like fraudulent uh, money laundering charges. So you don't think it was a legitimate rug he bought for <laughs> four hundred thousand dollars or whatever? You don't think it was just suit really good interior decorating? <laughs> But like, but to me, that's like, hey, reason enough to investigate. You know, you, he, there's a criminal working with the campaign uh, before he was a criminal, a suspected criminal before he started working with the campaign. And before the Steele report, too. And before the Steele dossier. Yeah. Also, I found out uh, in more, you know, gossipy news that Christopher Steele and Ivanka were like, but. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, apparently that's he right. almost worked for the Trumps, almost. To uh, do their um, do some like research on the Trump organization overseas, I guess to just have oh for like to buy properties and something yeah or it was either that or it was political I don't I don't know for sure what it was but it was definitely dirty. Do you guys think the P tape's real? Because that's in the, that's in the Steele report, isn't well, it? Well, no, I think it might have. I think it might have been made up to throw Steele off course. Okay. To be honest, like in yeah. the same way that oh. like someone told someone that Iraq had weapons of mass destructions, but described a weapon in the rock. Like, <laughs> like I really think that it might have just been a little too far. But a lot of other stuff was corroborated. It was. So. It was. Yeah, it was a little too perfect for me as a political yeah. satirist. Yeah, where I was like, this is this can't be right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Although I don't know that the P was necessarily right. But ob- but he's obviously paid for sex before. One would think. Mm. I yeah. mean, sure. I mean, in the way that he's paid hush money for keeping sex quiet or whatever you want to call that. Nor, nor would it surprise me if the Russians have crap on him, right? Like if, mm. if, no, if, if, if it's not a not. tape or something, but it's like a 15-year-old or something. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, 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 I definitely think uh, that there's something of a like, like there's prostitution in his past, um, which uh, I'm not trying to like. Are you castigating the president's trying, character? I'm, I'm not. Try- <laughs> How dare you? No, I'm. I'm actually trying to be like. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that sex work is not positive. <laughs> 
I don't it like basically. I don't want to like bring any prostitution down by putting Trump yeah. in yeah, that yeah. sentence. <laughs> is a what lot, I'm saying. A lot of normal non scumbags uh, procure sex work, and right. so we don't need to bring down the industry by right. bringing I'm Trump not, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's my that's that's. Thank you for clarifying my feelings. Um, all right. Well, uh, last question on this is: How is any of this going to play? With anybody. I don't know. It's Christmas. This is all a weird time to be coming out. Is anyone paying attention? Are they going to be able to resurrect this uh, IG report, you know, in August when it matters? Or like, I don't know. What do you think? I Okay, I'll tell you who I think is probably secretly enraged about all of this is Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. Because an impeachment hearing for a senator is like jury duty for a regular human being. You have to sit quietly. You're not allowed to talk, which senators love to do. But more importantly, it's going to suck all the oxygen away from the candidates that need it right now if they're at the lower end of the pack. So like Yang, whoever, Tulsi Gabbard, all the people that are kind of lower in the polls, they're not going to get that media attention. It's all going to go to the impeachment. Meanwhile, the senators are not going to be able to go out on the campaign trail while, you know, Biden and and Buttigieg are going to be cleaning up in in Iowa. If if you're a senator, you're kind of screwed right now and you can't go, I'm just not going to do it. That's not that's not an option. You'd get flayed for that. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I, if, if, if one of I don't my, know. If, can if, they? Maybe they can. They, they could. I think um, – so if, if if we're three senators, right? I'm just – I'm working through this. If, if I were to go, you know what? We're not going to remove him. We know we're not going to remove him. I'm going to fly in the day of and vote no. Yeah. Um, but then anybody that stays behind would then be like doesn't even care about impeachment. That's how little they care about Trump. So I, I think that they'd all probably stay. You can also do a split the difference and show up for a couple a of days. Bit. Yeah. You know? We're, we're, I'm sure they will. S- send in one of your, your interns to like FaceTime it. Guys, though, <laughs> you know, then, Mitch McConnell, he's going to be a nice guy about this mm-hmm. and have it be nice and swift and – He's really going to help the Democrats out in those, exactly. those the, yeah. uh, primary candidates. Um, all right. Well, uh, do you think the American people care? No. Okay. Uh, they're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> it's really depressing. But, you know, hopefully it's that it's that like 10 percent of people who are paying attention. Uh, I hope that we change them. But like 40 percent. Nah. Nah. Uh, All right. You know what we're going to do, you guys? We're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to hear about our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about other things. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little a person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. 
HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Eat stress-free this spring with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so 
maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. (laughs) So they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. They're no fuss, no mess meals. Um, They eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, You can customize your weekly meals uh, with flexibility. You can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 and use the code fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code fakethenation50 at factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And we are back. And before we launch into topic number two, I wanted to tell you guys really quick about this book that I think that you should buy for Christmas. It's called Metropolitan Stories by Christine Colson. And it's a beautiful novel of these like interrelated vignettes um, about the people and the ghosts and the objects of the Met, the museum. And and Christine Colson, who I happen to know, she's a wonderful, fabulous woman, uh, worked at the Met for 25 years um, and then uh, has has left to to pursue this career in writing. And in her first effort is this Metropolitan Stories. And it's just it's really phenomenal. If you are an art lover or not an art lover, just a lover of stories, um, then you should buy this book, Metropolitan Stories. I highly recommend it. Does the art come alive at night? <laughs> Can I sleep there? <laughs> Some of the objects have their own voices. So, oh, yes. I'm in. There's I like, love it. yeah, there's some uh, some magical realism. Ooh. Uh, no, but it's really fantastic. So I, I highly recommend it. Metropolitan Stories. Um, okay, let us move into topic number two. Okay, so we read this article called The Quiet Protests of Sassy Mom Merch uh, by Gia Tolentino in The New Yorker. Uh, God, you guys, we're such, like, fucking liberal elites sitting over here reading The New Yorker. But I My thought... credit rating went up by the, by the time I finished reading that article. <laughs> uh, remember Clout, that app that, oh, uh, yeah. whatever it was, that, like, met, yeah, your Clout score, Clout with a K. Um, so... Okay, so explain to me what you understood this mom merch to be uh, and uh, and what it means about society. I mean, two <laughs> things. These are the people who, like, on Tinder, the, who are fluent in sarcasm. This is when they get married and have babies. <laughs> this is what it evolves into. Yeah. And it's also, like, very parallel to, like, the male version of the, like, I'm a gun-toting, cat-strangling, uh, you know, motherfucker and if you don't you know and then there's flags and guns uh and whatever but yeah and just to clarify the mom merch that we're referring to might say stuff like well the the very famous one is um 
I, I, I'm a mom who runs on coffee, wine, and Amazon Prime. That's the famous one. Um, but there's all sorts of stuff that you might see. Um, mama of drama, ha- hashtag girl mom. I didn't like super. I thought that one was a little clunky. Uh, but this, this is all stuff you'll see on statement tees. Um, uh, support wildlife, raise boys, you know, stuff like that. They're all kind of pithy. Okay, I, I, I agree. I think they're basically bumper stickers, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I was reading these and I was like, oh, this is uh, rather be fishing. It's a bumper mm-hmm. sticker, except now it's on a mug. Uh, I like, and I, the, but the, it's but it's also it, it, you know now it's on a t shirt. And now it's very specifically targeted at women. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took, I'll be honest with you. It took me a little while to figure out the point of the article. Because <laughs> at first I was reading this and I was like, I clearly am a sub guest. It's very, very clear to me that there was some mom that dropped out of this. That All right, I can swing this. I can do this. Uh, and then I was like, all right, are we anti-Amazon Prime? And then at the end I was like, got it. Okay, child support. Okay. Right. So I can kind of like, then I can swing it and be like, I understand what's going on now. Uh, well, so the funny thing about these women is like that they put that they're at the same time and I and you're not I actually knew that you were coming and I wanted to talk about this in particular this because neither Good. of you are mothers mm-hmm. um I am a mother that and you yet know I of. still <laughs> I, that I know, <laughs> true um I am a mother and yet I still felt like a just like a sub in on this article as well because it doesn't like speak to my any like I would never wear a shirt that said I I run on coffee wine and Amazon Prime also, like, I don't shop at Amazon, so I don't know that whole you, thing. You, you don't have, like, a framed picture with bark on the outside that says, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. Because that's very much the milieu we're talking about. <laughs> no, exactly. But it's it's like it's like these women that are like, I'm trying to be perfect, but I have a couple of flaws, and here they are. And mm. I'm really cute about the flaws, and everyone's going to deal with it, you know? Um did it, did it, like, is it a mom that you've ever seen or oh, understand? I'm from Oklahoma. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody I know from Oklahoma has that. Yeah. No, absolutely. I kind of, um, so my, my I, I came at, I swung at it both comedically at first and then economically at the tail end. So the comedic bit, I read all of these and I was like, these are all okay as like a one, like all the, all the phrases, they're, they're okay as like a meme, I think, or a yeah. tweet. I would yeah. be like, eh, all right, vaguely funny. But I wouldn't buy any merchandise because I don't, like every time you see it, it's kind of like the Cards Against Humanity. Of like, I, I don't know how you feel about it, that as, as, as funny people. It's, it's but, comedy t-ball. See, exactly. And that's kind of how yeah. I felt about it. By the way, we have a card game coming out. Catch up on Reductor soon. I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, legitimate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was native anti-advertising for my own product. Um, anyway. Uh, well, so. I no, I I grew up with all these folks. No, I was trying to think of like what what the equivalent would be. For, I think I would just wear a t shirt that said like "Please like me." Like mm-hmm. I think I would just walk around right. and like 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 try and get people to uh to to you know go in pleasantly. But I I don't. I also um I was a little bit lost in that I intentionally avoid wearing any type of branding. I don't yeah, really like I, I don't like branding at all because I and I realized that there's a whole thought process of like if I've got Gucci prominently displayed on my clothing, it means that I have more money. But by my lights. You should be giving me money if I'm wearing your brand because I'm advertising for you. So I, I I like take brands off and things like that. Yeah, I I mean I often I can't say that I ever have worn like in recent memory something branded like that. Can, yeah. can I ask you a question? Also, it's weird to promote Amazon Prime on so many of these. Uh, Amazon Prime seems to be like the the mom savior in in this milieu, 
And I don't understand why you would promote a behemoth that also is defying trust regulations. But anyway, I don't think well, that's, the, that's, not, mean, the that's not the thought process. <laughs> we, but to me, that's like, why would you ever? They don't need the promotion from you, you know? Like, they should be paying you, as you were saying. You but know? I think that's what Gia pointed out in this article pretty well is that this is pointing vaguely at like a political segment that is. Um, branding themselves as a mother, they're reinforcing, they're putting a new light on traditional gender roles of motherhood and stuff. And these are the people that aren't paying attention politically. This is a pretty broad statement, but I mean, these people who are like, I don't really pay attention to what Amazon does badly. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. They're literally busy moms, but they're also the type of people who aren't paying attention to impeachment. They're not paying attention to what else is going on. And I don't think that I would judge them for that but i think it's worth acknowledging that there is something about this this moment in culture and why are why aren't these people paying attention to that kind of stuff maybe it's classist to even say that i, don't know. I know i know it's it, it is funny because i did feel a little uncomfortable talking about this because i it's so divorced from my reality and at the end of the car i kept as I was reading it, what I kept thinking, it was like, why are these people even talking about Amazon Prime being their savior? Because what should be their savior is universal health care, maternity leave, and child care. Like, you know, uh, it's a less and, funny and universal yeah. pre-K and, and 3K or whatever. Like, why are we even talking? Like, you know what I mean? So that's what I was like, this, when I get together with my mom buddies and we kvetch, it's literally about those things. It's mm-hmm. like never, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll swing for the sassy mom merch. And I'll say I would I would, I would would totally buy a, a Nagin shirt that had like, I run on coffee, XXX, but there's asterisks. And then you look at the back of the shirt <laughs> and it's like, but of course, I think that there should be, as an extension yeah, right, of state right, right. running and all that kind of thing. Coffee. Asterix, fair trade. We would really enjoy all of that stuff. Um, I don't, you know, I'll say I have no problem with it in that I I want there to be large swaths of society that are apolitical. Like I don't think everything needs to be political, and I'm uh, right. and, and and we're not we're not castigating anybody here. But uh, but so I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it being, and I don't think the people wearing it are making a political statement. Um, it is interesting in that if you were to talk to them, and she she brings this up at the the bottom of the article that there are some contradictions that are going on with, uh, according to the author, the sorts of people that are buying the merchandise. And I think that that's an interesting thing, but I don't have any, I have no issue with them, you know, uh, just kind of being glib uh, as opposed to making a a political exegesis. No, I actually really love that, that there should be large swaths of the public that are apolitical. I I, I wouldn't say that personally. Tell Baby Yoda becomes president because then it's all political. (laughs) I wouldn't say that personally. I think everyone should be not necessarily political, but they should have a, they, everyone has a stake in the game and they should care, you know, um, I don't think that they should be rabidly partisan. Mm. That's what I okay. as a as a sister um clause to what you're saying. So you're not throwing coffee at these ladies walking down the street. <laughs> no, no. You should care more about antitrust regulation. Go to hell. But I really do wish they cared more about antitrust. Anyway, um But here's what one of the moms said in the article. She said, it's expected that your hair and makeup should be done and that your house is spotless, but also that you can afford childcare. And if you work, when do you have time for your child? You really can't win. So you just have to laugh, you know, and and by that she means just have to laugh by wearing like the kind of funny T-shirts that um, that are, you know, meant for a laugh. Now, this definition of motherhood is is there an expectation is this is this still what's happening that we expect mothers to look good but also have a job but also 
take care of their children all the time while still having a job simultaneously. I mean, I, any, if I ever see a mom with wet hair at the grocery store, I just start yelling. What are you doing? <laughs> How dare you come out in public? You should have done your hair. There's something about this definition of our expectations of motherhood that feels a little yesteryear, you know, mm-hmm. that that's, that indicates that men are not a part of the solution yet. And I... I'm lucky. I live in a coupling in which the man is very much half of the solution, you know, in <laughs> um, sometimes 60 percent of the solution. I mean, you know, we're a freelance. Our lives change radically day to day. So I I just feel like this def- this is a weirdly holding on to patriarchy in a way that I don't think is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, one thing that we, we experience at Reductress through our content is like even though the the – ways in which we judge mothers will change year to year. The one thing that's constant is we will always be judging mothers, no Mm. matter what. And people just do it with reckless abandon. Um, And yeah, so this is the quote-unquote real mom or like wine mom merch is a total reaction to the mommy blogger stuff in the early aughts and things like that, where like perfection was branded as such. But now we're just... (laughs) The reaction is becoming its own means to judge. Like, now if you aren't a quote-unquote wine mom who, like, I don't know, is, like, does it all but also likes to drink and be a fucking mess. Like, that is now its own brand. And you have to, like, get on board or something. So It's weird. I It's weird because... In in your there's they talked about an Instagram group that had I don't know uh, hundred thousand followers, um, Instagram page. I sound like Joe Biden. Anyway, um, that where where it's about that where it's like, look, I'm a mom, and sometimes I drink or whatever. Get used to get it. Used to it. <laughs> I get like, five do you Sometimes I do it in the morning. <laughs> Who cares? Nine a.m. Bourbon. But like, the funny thing is, I'm like, you're. No one in my life is complaining to me if I ever do a marijuana. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Who are you yelling at? I, I think, I think if you're, if the, if there's, if, if that's what's going on, then the men in your life are not involved and they should be. Like, I think the t-shirt should be like, where the fuck is the guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, so as uh, for people listening, I'm a bearded man in a blazer. So I, I think I'm like a quarter patriarchy for our purposes right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that, and I'm I'm not up to date on the data, but the the, the data that I read a few years ago is that. Um, so, you know, if we go back to the 50s, there's there's far more one one person in the couple working households, yeah. more of the women are at home. And the, the shift that happened is that now way more women are in the workforce. Um, the societal expectation that they would be the homemaker did not split. So the, the, this, the old societal yeah. expectation in the 50s was the, the man is the breadwinner, the woman is the homemaker, and that there was a, an imbalance period that we're still in where we're now both breadmakers but also moms should be doing stuff. And the other day is guys are doing more. Um, there right. has been a positive mm-hmm. shift in that regard, but it's but not – still not, it's not half. It's, there's no parity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So and, I'm going to talk to the fellas. I'm going to call a yeah. meeting after this. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, and that's absolutely. So I guess I guess this goes to the bubble again because um, it's so alien to me that a man should not do half of the work <laughs> that I'm like 
I just don't even know what to say, you know, uh, because it feels so alien. Uh, that said, statistically, you're absolutely right. They have not shouldered half the burden yet. Uh, we're still on the road to that. Um, and I think, I guess I would love, and there, these people are not trying to be, this is not movement t-shirt making, but I would love to see t-shirts that are like, you know, I, it's your turn. I'm going to, mm. so I'm, I'm 35. I'm real tired of being single. I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, uh, uh, dating at 35 is like a tax on the hope of not dying alone. And then on the back <laughs> of the t-shirt will be, I will be your butler if you let me sleep at your house. That is, <laughs> like, I would be so thrilled. Oh my God, she let me sleep here again? Okay, I'm going to go pick fruit and stuff. <laughs> Um, go pick fruit. She has fruit. Trees I don't know how relationships work, Nagin. I, I assume you pick fruit for your girlfriends. Is that? I know that there's flowers. Accurate. Yeah. Accurate. Okay, yeah. the emotional my, my labor. Husband, we my need. husband picks fruit every morning. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, so I guess um, in closing, um, what, Sarah? What do you think of this need for performative failure from moms? Oh, I think it's just you know it's it was a a genuine reaction to perfection that I think started out earnest and just got kind of weird and too much and now people are trying to achieve the reaction <laughs> if that makes sense yeah 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 so it's just ah, like let's have a better dialogue I don't know yeah let's, let's think have a more critically dialogue. about what we put on t-shirts but I mean at the same time. It's okay if you, I mean, obviously it's okay if you want to just make a t-shirt yeah, and have we an have, Etsy store. We sell dumb t-shirts and, 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 like, and have it be dumb and yeah. the funny to you. Like what's funny to you is not going to be funny to me and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I, I don't want this segment to seem like it's anti-anybody. Listen to anyone <laughs> who went to brown or lower. <laughs> You mouth-breathing gutter snipes need to know your place. No, I guess my point is I love everybody, Mm A, and then B, um, that my resounding critique is we should have universal health care. <laughs> yeah. We should have maternity leave and we should have um, child care options so that women don't have to make T-shirts that talk about their need for coffee right. and Amazon Prime. But moms, you're doing fine. But moms are doing fine. Doing but fine. also don't support Amazon. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Let us move on. Oh, and the, you know what? Though, speaking of uh, fucking hashtags and stuff, let me know what you think and if I'm a horrible person after at the end of this conversation. Yeah, and, and either me way, too. If, I feel if, like I deserve it. No, Oof. I know. I know. <laughs> and if, if, if you need a boyfriend butler, uh, go on the page because I'll butler, come to your house. I'll move to Wisconsin. Come to yeah. and we will hook that shit mm-hmm. up. I got you chocolate. Guys. He look, first of all, he's already wearing like a three-piece Yeah. Like a casual three piece. I, I look like if Abraham Lincoln were in a Broadway musical. <laughs> it's pretty much how I look all the time. That's accurate. Mm-hmm. That's accurate. Um, all right, let us move on to topic number three. Um, okay, so we <laughs> we read an article in the New York Times um, by Nicholas Kristoff, and it's called "The Four Secrets of Success." And he said, it, it, "This this actually." struck me because he started out saying that he always, you know, when he, wherever he speaks at colleges. And do you guys perform at colleges and stuff? Yeah, we do. Sometimes we're student groups, yeah. So I perform at colleges 
a lot, and I get the question very, very frequently. And honestly, even if I'm not out of college, but like I'm wherever in the world at a theater and the person is like 18, I get the question what do you, what do you what are your secrets for success? And they're just like if you have or I'll get all the time. If you had one piece of advice to give me, what would it be? And uh, and I've gotten this so much. Um, and then when Nicholas Kristof started out his article saying I get this question all the time, so I'm writing a piece on it. Uh, I was like, oh, this is actually. Like, I would love to know what we all say. I mean, we're all— I, I get the opposite. I, like, 18-year-olds will come up and be like, what did you do and how do I avoid this? What, <laughs> what horrible, grim fate? What hello. Black Mirror episode did you stumble into? <laughs> I know. They're like, hello, Mr. Cautionary Tale. <laughs> um, well, first of all, uh, we'll go through the ones that Kristoff uh, talks about and see if you guys like them at all. His number, his number one thing was— uh, Take a class in economics and in statistics. I think that's actually I yeah. know that's a pretty I'm, good one. I'm I, a liberal arts as fuck, but like that's really valuable. I think that's and I would add to that, like I think taking a class on logic would be very helpful. Just because oh, you're yeah, you're gonna spend so much of your life in arguments of some form or yeah. another. Mm-hmm. And like I took a logic class when I was in college. I now know what an ad hominem argument is. Mm-hmm, I know yeah. that just because I don't like a person doesn't mean their argument's bad. That, and, just, and, I, and it frustrates me because when I'm arguing with people, they'll pull out really bad logical fallacies. Yeah, I'm like, you're not allowed to do that. Got to know that. your fallacies. Yeah, you got to know on. your fallacies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think I wonder, though, if economics and statistics are a little bit broad and maybe the class that we should all be sort of forced to take in high school is like what is a Roth IRA? You know what I mean? Like what is a savings account versus a checking account? I feel like people graduate from elite schools and still don't know like the fundamentals of personal finance. So I feel like what I would say to all colleges in America is there should be one of those freshman required seminar type courses that is like personal finance so Mm -hmm. that you can come out of college knowing what your debt is and how to attack it. And that because we have such an endemic problem with debt in this country, especially student debt, let's fucking start that early. And so I think uh, uh, my his economics and statistics felt a little macro, a little Mm, like, you know, when you're having these grand discussions uh, about geopolitics. Talking yeah. about tariffs. I'm like, you're exactly. I'm like, you know, the average person doesn't need to fucking understand, uh, you know, the, the the trade war. What, but the average person does need to understand, like, the cost lottery tickets are a worse their... idea than a 401k, sure. exactly. or how we manipulate data to tell mistruths, right? Like, yeah. Yes, yes. Those those things, I think I would love to see courses. It used to be like home ec and stuff like that in <laughs> high school. I, we didn't have that, but uh, I, I know there there were some that I don't know if schools still do oh, that. I mean, I learned to sew a, a plush basketball really? when I was in eighth grade. Yeah. Hilarious. And I, I, I had typing. I learned how to balance yeah. a checkbook, which yeah. I think is now gone. So useless. Oh, yeah, we had cursive when I was in elementary school. I'm glad yep. that's gone. Mm. Uh, oh, they don't do that anymore? I don't cursive? think they do. Because what do you do other than sign checks? You, know, you never, you sign autographs oh, and checks. 
checks. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Now when I write something, I'm like shaking. <laughs> I, like, know, I don't even my know hands what to are do. Sweat, totally. <laughs> and I feel like uh, I feel like I'm like writing my twos backwards. You know what right. I mean? Like I just feel like I can't write anymore. Um, no, but I think I think a class replacing the home ec, um, something about personal finance and and understanding facts um, and sourcing materials and stuff like that. I would would love for that to be just a part of everybody's life. In, in South Korea, it's my understanding, it could be wrong on this, but it's my understanding that there are obligatory entrepreneurial classes in mm. high school, which I think would be great. I think it would be, be wonderful great. to take a high school student and be like, you know you can form your own business? I have no idea how to do that. Mm. That'd uh, be but, great. But I, would, I wish I had learned that of like, this is how you get a patent or this is yes. how you, all the things that you can do to make your own thing as opposed to be a cog in somebody else's thing. I love that. And I also think that it, in um, addition to this, that it's you can tell a person, you know, you don't have to sacrifice your theater major, um, but if you take one, you know, class that's more uh, practical, yeah. you yeah. know, you can still be a theater major, but just like add this in so that you just have a grounding in something. Um, or, you know, I was a double major in government and theater, oh, oh, oh. Uh, but both All are of this makes sense now. All of this makes sense now. <laughs> Um, so his number two thing was uh, connect to a cause larger than yourself. And this is what he said about it. He said the worst advice people give students is to spend the first third of their lives studying the, studying the middle third making money and the final third giving back. That would rob you of two-thirds of your life of meaning and fulfillment. Uh, what would you guys make of that one? He's right. Yeah. I mean, God, I think I feel like any like midlife crisis is usually because you're just doing one thing for 10 or 15 years. And then you ask, what is the fucking point of me doing this one thing? It's right. Nice to have and then something you lose else. your mind and you yeah. buy a fucking Ferrari or whatever mm -hmm. and you divorce your wife. Yeah. yeah. That's my plan. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, oh, tip the deck for your, uh, your listeners there. Whoops. Hey, we're, we're like... Uh, Three steps ahead. <laughs> um, I, I, you're I, supposed I, to be the butler that we've all wanted. Yeah, I'm, yes, exactly. Well, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's right about that. Uh, I think that in our culture, we also, we are over-individualistic in terms of importance of where people are. We are, we are part of, we're, we're community animals. And so I want people to be able to make decisions for themselves as individuals, but the importance in your life comes from your relationships. And that means being part of some kind of community. It means uh, being a part of something bigger than you. Um, I think uh, I, I'm a secular person, but a, a, a lot of people get that from religion. Um, I think a lot of the problems we're having right now, some of them are for people that have left some sort of big group that they yeah. were a part of without a backup. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason that politics is so angry right now sure. is that people are like, well, I'm not Methodist anymore, so I guess I'll be an angry whatever. Uh, and if you could find something that's giving you purpose and motivation and giving you a sense of community, that's an absolutely wonderful thing to have in your life. Absolutely. And I've, I've uh, touted him before, but Robert Putnam's work on this uh, Bowling Alone mm -hmm. um, and then his more recent work, I forget the name of his most, more recent book, but he's talked about the decline of social capital. And yeah. I think mm -hmm. a big part of social of building social capital was like forming these networks in which you sort of – even if it wasn't your stated purpose to like, you know, give, uh, take meals to people on Thanksgiving, you just sort of end up doing it because it's a part of your social network and your peer group is doing that and you sort of just do it. And so you sort of inadvertently end up even um, giving back uh, because that's what the, what the network 
demanded, you know, and we don't have those networks anymore. Mm -hmm. And the decline of social capital has meant, I think you're right, that people have kind of gone far off. And then and then a lot of these, you know, these ways of giving back that used to be more um, prescriptive with, you know, with the, the, the Elks Club and the whatever, they don't happen anymore. Right. So I think building that into your life, figuring out a way to give back that's not just about giving back, but it's about with you connecting with other human beings, I think, um, will make you happy and will help the planet. Yeah. And make everyone less depressed and isolated. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sounds God. Yeah. Are, are all of is everybody's friends sitting in that article about the best friends that formed a tiny house village that they're retiring <laughs> to? Like all of yeah. my friends, we, we were all oh like, "This sounds God. brilliant." And I'm we like, "Talk about is that." It some, never is it somewhat telling that everyone I know wants to do this, and yet we're all living in boxes by ourselves with a cat and a Netflix totally, account? Totally, <laughs> totally. We talk about this all the time, and it's funny because um, we're like. Is it possible with New York real estate prices that we could all buy apartments in the same building? You know, if whatever. all those Russian oligarchs would sell their <laughs> right, shit. exactly. Um, okay, so connect to to causes larger than yourself. I thought that was excellent. His third suggestion was make out, literally, like kiss people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> cringing. He meant he he meant that in a more cup like couple find someone that's meaningful to you. Um, but I actually think literally making out is like also a good idea. <laughs> I'll take either. I'll Probably take either right. one. But Both I'm of them just, sound great to I'm me. I'm just specifically thinking about him making out and that. <laughs> no, make out like, yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't make out with him. Um, no, because so this is the the main thing that I always tell people when they ask me what is a piece of advice. I always say. Um, talk to strangers, which is weird because you're not supposed to talk to strangers. <laughs> you're not supposed to say candy for strangers. Um, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like, specifically talk to strangers and do it in person. Never do it online. Like, basically ignore your entire online life and make your real life the important one. Um, and and I, you know, and and I, you know, whenever I'm talking to that age, like eighteen to twenty-two year old age group, I'm always just like, you know, you can go to a bar and strike up a conversation, and then three hours later, you'd be making out with someone. Like that's not bad. Like it's okay as long as it's safe and everyone is, you know, has given consent. Da 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 da. But like. This should be fun, you know. <laughs> Your <laughs> life should be fun, um, and that might mean like making out with a, str- a person you just met at a bar. Like, is that a horrible thing no, to say? I Anyways, think it's that's kind of yeah. what I feel. No, I, I I agree with all of that 100. percent And like, and I'm I'm uh, you know let's let's not do any prudishness here. Like uh, <laughs> like if 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 you if, if everybody's having fun and nobody's getting hurt and everybody's I'm agreeing to it, I'm not saying bareback a fucking stranger. <laughs> I'm saying gently make out with a stranger. Right. No, I would. I would love to live in this society, Nikki. Like, where I'm just like, it just, I, I'm, get, I'm like at Starbucks, and I'm like, "Hey, you seem lovely, and I enjoy your T-shirt with its tirade about how Amazon Prime should be busted up. Would you like to snog with me?" And then we go outside, and we do that for a few minutes, leave. Like, awesome! Great. This is wonderful. I go back great. to my tiny house village. Awesome. That sounds great. No, but I do. Do you feel like it? Almost was also like. I mean. It's also like, does he need? Does that even need to be a piece of advice? Like, are people so far removed from from coupling that that need, we need to remind them to do to do that? Go find someone that you want to be with. 
Perhaps just because of what you said, people are living their lives online so much that maybe we kind of forget the joy of like actually touching a human being because we get off so hard on likes and faves. Yeah. But eh, yeah, I think it's fair advice. I I think there's definitely – I don't think that his point was was inbuilt with the digital culture, but I think your point's spot on in that in that like so um, a bunch of my friends that I do improv with when I'm in New York who are in their mid-20s. Um, they grew up with social media in a way that I did not. Yeah. And so for me, like when I hang out with them, I put my phone out uh, up because it's like, well, I'm now with friends. Why would I have my phone out? And yeah. they they will they never get rid of that. Um, and I think it makes them kind of sad. I, I don't I don't think it's helping them very much. Because well, do you do they do they seem self awarely sad? Like they are sad that they're keeping their phone out. Or, not not at the time, right. but but I but I think that there's a certain level of anxiety they have and things yeah. like that where where they're um be, because they are so in, I I think you're going to be happier if you can live in the moment, mm-hmm. um and if you can go this I'm just I'm here I'm here with the two of you right now and my future wife that's listening, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we're gonna we're gonna be here. I think the more that you remove yourself from the moment and you're thinking about the future and you're thinking about all these other things, the more distracted you get and the sadder you are. Yeah, and so I think there's something to that. I think um. Uh, Christoph, he he was I think he was basically saying it's important to have a mate and it's important to have a good pairing, I think is what he was saying. And I think that's accurate. It makes me very sad because <laughs> I've already blown, you know, the, my, oh my, my, God, my 20s in that so regard. You have so much time. Oh, thank you. Th- I'm just going to come back on. You're oh, yeah. You have so much time. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, and then this is his number four. Escape your comfort zone. What do you yes. think of that? I mean, it was – he really went hard on the uh, uh, traveling abroad Yeah, learn thing. how to say doorknob yeah. in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, I'm yeah. like, well, fair I enough. Like, what? I don't even know how to say doorknob in Farsi, which is a language I'm bilingual in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. I that that was weird, really got anyway, me. Go but I do think, yeah, it would be great that people would talk to other people who feel differently than them. I mean, that is another, like, thing that I'm, like, a little irked about how the kids are, that, you know, we don't engage with people who disagree with us anymore. And I think it's good to understand people on a human level and why they think the way they do and all of the things that build their worldview to be able to, if not... Uh, have empathy for them, at least know how to debate them if it really uh, comes 100%. to that. And you're going to be but more effective too. Sure. If, if you're like, I know what you're trying to do. I think that I think the, your goal is laudable. Your method's terrible. Can mm. I explain to you how my method would be better to achieve? That's a, a way better way than just being like, listen, moron, you stupid yeah. bigot, or like whatever the thing is. It's Online, hard to yeah. convert yeah. people. You know, when I was, I'll tell you guys a memory I had of my childhood where the first time where I feel like I talk to someone who was so completely and utterly outside of my circle. Um, we had a, a an assignment in elementary school where we had to, like, talk to some a veteran of a war, and we had to come to class with a report about it. And so my mom, I don't even know how this got arranged, like, how do we get this, find this veteran, whatever. My mom drove me to, like, a donut shop where I met this Vietnam War veteran, and you know, and he had clearly, you know, fallen down on his luck. And um, he's a veteran that we had not treated very well after his return from service. And um, if, uh, in terms of like reintegrating in society and getting a job and all that stuff. Um, and he talked to me about his war experience. And I just remember being like, I have never seen a human being like you. Like, I've never had a full conversation with a person like you. And I was like nine or whatever, you know. Um, but I I thought 
I think it was one of those formative moments in my life because it really opened my mind up to, oh my God, there's people that have had completely different experiences. You know, my dad's a doctor. My parents had done pretty well by the time I was that age. Um, All of their friends were doctors, right? Like I wasn't talking to people who were blue collar war veterans. And so it was phenomenal that that we had this random assignment in school. Uh, And so there's, I think, uh, I, I, so I think it's absolutely right to like go out of your comfort zone. And in my, my, you know, in this kind of first attempt, it was for in this first incident for me, it was like an assignment from my school, you know, forced me into it, but it was, it was great. And I think it made me more comfortable with those kinds of situations going forward, even though I didn't know it at the time. My, my mom, when I was growing up, um, I, th- I think for a lot of people, their parents are like, uh, the, the, the dichotomy is safe or dangerous. Uh, the, the the kind of the, the filter my mom had, and she wasn't like putting me in danger or harm's way, but for if we encountered strangers, for her, it was just boring or interesting. So she would gravitate towards whoever she thought was interesting and then yeah. would, you know, have me interact with that person. And I think it was very, very mind-expanding as a kid yeah. uh, to do that, to be like, you know, mom's just going to fling me at a Star Trek convention and be like, talk to everybody in a costume. Right. Like, okay, <laughs> let's do this. I'm eight years old. We're going to be Klingons or, you know, we're, we're at the mall and like, um, if, if we were going to, I remember very vividly, uh, like getting a haircut and it was like normal person, normal person, person covered with tattoos. And mom was like, we're going to that person because that person's going to be more interesting to talk to. Yeah, Gosh, that's, that's great. That's great. I love that. I like your mom. She's great. Yeah. I'll bring her on sometime. Yeah, she, she, please Deanne's do. lovely. You'd really like her. Um, so is there anything that you, a, a piece of advice that you would give that uh, was not covered by Nicholas Kristoff? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, from my experience, saying yes to as many things as you can, different yeah. things as you can, while you have the energy. Because someday you might not. But when I was in my 20s, I did a lot of random shit. Like, I worked in yes. tech bef- while doing comedy. And uh, just a series of just saying yes to things that were maybe slightly annoying at the time, but I just did them anyway, put me in a place mm-hmm. that led me to my current career. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Um, I think there – I remember, you know, I had a shitload of jobs, like a lot of random jobs uh, to make ends meet. And, um, you know, I would put up I – would, I was hired to put up posters. I uh, was a tutor. I was um, a barista. I was a waitress. I was, a, you know – You were briefly prime minister of Denmark. A lot of people don't know that about you. Denmark, it was a crazy little, month. Little known yeah. fact. Um, and so, and I, and I think there's something, uh, I, I've always been a little suspicious of people who have never had service jobs. Yes. <laughs> hey, let's just, uh, sit here at the table for another three and a half hours and drink water. Uh, that sounds like a good deal. <laughs> who would have a problem with that? Um, so yeah. So I feel like have a lot of jobs mm-hmm. because they, they make you interact with people that you normally wouldn't ever meet. Um, they put you in a better position of empathy with a lot of different, in a lot of different situations. You know, uh, I just, I feel like a lot of those jobs where I was both, you know, where I was shit on and helped out, you know, in, in equal measure, um, kind of were, were formative, I think. And a lot of people, I feel like come out of college and they're like how can i monetize this instagram account right and and it's like you know okay you can monetize your instagram account or whatever but like get a 
shitty job. And, and, and assume that they job. should be vice right. president of a company within yeah. two years of graduating. Well, and I I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I have a friend who's who is the president of a company. And um and I was like, Oh, what's it like? To be president of a company, have all these people to, under you and all that stuff. And she's like, well, the one, the ones who are like between like 22 and 25 all come to me like they're angry they haven't been promoted VP mm-hmm. yet. Yep. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, it's insane. With very little experience, they have unbelievable expectations. Uh, and And so there is a generational divide on that. And I think like, you know, slow your roll, guys. Like mm-hmm. give it a – give it a beat – um and <laughs> know your place. I, yeah, yeah. I, I had that. I was insufferable. Like I like I remember like I I started out as an intern for Congress and I remember like going in to talk to the chief of staff about like I, why did I not have a paying job yet? I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Nobody took a swing at me. Uh, well, it's it's so funny. I think. And I, I I mean I interned uh, for Charlie Rangel. I interned for Hillary Clinton. Um, and I always felt like I wasn't ever good enough. Like, oh, they would never offer me a job. I'm a piece of shit, you know? Um, And I think that's the flip side Mm. of that, which is, which I also highly recommend people do not engage in, is that those feelings of self-doubt. Like, there's really no reason for you to feel that way, Um, which I think is really typical for women. Uh, And uh, so I I often tell women, like, that nagging, stupid voice in your head, I know you have it. Mm -hmm. Turn it off, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm because it is not helping you or anyone. Um, Anything else? Yeah, I'll add something that that occurred to me is I I, – and I'm not an expert on this, but it would seem to me that it would be very useful for everybody to have an idea of the relationship between exercise, nutrition, and energy. Ooh. That, that Ooh. strikes me as a very good thing if you can mm-hmm. nail that down early. And if, yes. in particular, if you can figure out, like, I don't react well to pecans or whatever that thing is. If you if you know, yeah. like, like I, I, don't, I, I just recently I figured out sushi makes me really tired. I have no idea why. <laughs> mm. I love sushi, but it makes me really tired. Good for me to know then. That, yeah. Like, it would be a bad idea for me to have sushi before I go do something that oh involves, Oh, my God. You know, I lived on bagels all during college and yes, I didn't know like shit, right and I felt like shit and mm-hmm. I didn't know that bagels are not good for my body yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that kind of thing figure Very that useful. out yeah. it is it's so useful and you I stopped eating bagels and I lost like 10 pounds and I was like oh let's run a marathon what's going on guys <laughs> uh I like these hmm. well you guys um people of fake the nation let me know what are some pieces of advice that you would have that you would tell people, um, what are the secrets of your success? I'm so curious with this question. It really got me to thinking. So thank you for sharing yours. Um, you guys, that's the end of the show. Oh. How do you feel? Oh, I'm, I'm inspired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm three inches taller. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which gets you closer to Abraham Lincoln. Yes, perfect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, Andrew Heaton. I would love for people of Fake the Nation to follow you and all the stuff that you do. Where should they do that? Uh, The best place is the podcast I do, The Political Orphanage, which is funny and delightful. I just had an astronaut on. Uh, and uh, all, all sorts of thinky fun stuff. So The Political Orphanage is my show. And if you want to stalk me online, uh, at Mighty Heaton on Twitter. Yeah, H-E-A-T-O-N, mm-hmm. Mighty Heaton. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely do that. Definitely subscribe to his show. Uh, you've heard Andrew on the show before, so you know it's going to be very, very good. Uh, Sarah. 
Where do people find you? You can find little old me at your Papalardo on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find Reductress at Reductress on all the social medias. It's the holidays and we are selling a bunch of uh, crap that you can put on yourself at Shop Reductress. <laughs> and I just want to say, as a small business owner, that you should support. I mean, not me. That, that Sarah is a small business owner that you should support. Support small business. <laughs> I'm just a humble business owner. I don't know why all business owners need to sound like that, but yes. yeah, no, you definitely you sound sepia toned. Thank you. Um, but uh, and please, please read the Re- Rejectress. It's just fantastic. It's funny. It's very um, good stuff. Follow Sarah. She's fantastic. Uh, and, uh, you guys know where to find me and all the places that I post things. Um, and uh, do I have any? You know, I'm going to have a bunch of upcoming dates. You know, I'm going to be in Omaha. Not Omaha. Fuck me. Des Moines. Sorry. See, that makes it sound Shots like I can't. Omaha. Okay, Biden. Ah, that makes it sound like I can't tell the Midwest apart. I'm it's all be... just cows and wheat <laughs> and white people at diners. I'm going to be in Des Moines with Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me um, in January. So you guys should try and get tickets for that if you're in Des Moines. Des Moines. Um, and uh, I'm going to be oh, at Smith College also Ooh. at some point in uh, upcoming in February. There's just some dates that are that are coming in for the new year. So please. Oh, and I'm going to be doing Love It or Leave It next Thursday. At, and they tape at the Improv Thursday, January 21st, I think. January 21st. So uh, so if you're in Los Angeles, um, please come to the Love It or Leave It taping at the Improv. Um, but what I would really like to do is thank the production team here at Fake the Nation. That's our producer, Anita Flores, our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens, Gabby Alter wrote our theme music, Lily Fleshler helps with research. And you guys, you know that I love to hear from you, so send us your feedback, um, topics we should be chatting about, guest ideas that you might have. Leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981. It's the holiday season, guys, so please, uh, instead of an email this time, just do a voicemail at 347-770-4981 so I could hear your voice. But if you can't do that, you can do comments at fakethenation.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts because it really helps people find the show. And oh, and for this uh, holiday season, uh, why don't you have more of your friends uh, subscribe to Fake the Nation? You know, why not? Subscribe, make out. Subscribe, make out. That's what my T-shirt's going to say. I I only make out while listening to Fake the Nation. (laughs) Wow, we need to make way more shows. (laughs) No, you don't, sadly. You're you're, you're doing the right pace. (laughs) Uh, Thank you and good night.